And before we read it, I want to just talk to you a little bit and explain a concept that we need to understand because I think uh, this concept, if it's not understood, you actually can get out of balance in your mentality about being a Christian. All right? So we're going to read it a little bit in Matthew 5, but the idea is, is, is you learn about the Christian life, as you learn about being a Christian, being saved, the concept is whatever I am leads to a B. <laughs> okay? Um, the, um, some, there's sometimes as people study Christianity and get to know what the Bible teaches, uh, as Christianity develops, sometimes it can develop into one kind of error of mentality or another kind of error of mentality. Uh, one error, one error that people fall into, they can fall into is the concept that, oh, I'm, I'm reading, I'm a Christian, I read the Bible, oh, look what I am. I'm a child of God. I'm saved. I'm forever saved. And awesome. Doesn't matter what I do. I'm saved, forever saved. And it's kind of like, well, then kind of do what you want. You know, don't anybody tell you what to do because you're free. You know, don't anybody tell me I don't, don't violate my, don't, there's no commands. Don't give me any thou shouts. Thou, I'm a child of God. I'm free. I was in bondage. Now I'm free. I am free. And that's true. You, you am free. <laughs> you is a child of God, you know. You are a child of God and you are free. Uh, so there's an error that can kind of take that truth and then kind of uh, have the wrong implications of it, or the idea that, um, hey, I'm forgiven. So, you know, don't put anything on me. Don't, don't tell me that I've done a sin. I'm, I'm forgiven. God's forgiven me, you know. Don't you point out my sin. God's forgiven me. Well, it doesn't really work with a judge when you get in trouble, you know, in civil court, but, you know, but even with people. And there's another mentality, and, it's, and Paul dealt with this in Romans, is that, um, we are definitely, I mean, you read Romans and the epistles of Paul that we are definitely under lavish amounts of grace with God, both in our salvation and with just daily living, that God loves us, God's gracious to us in, my, in saving me and even putting up with me this very moment. I'm under so much grace. So I'm under grace. And if I sin, there's still grace. And where my sin abounds... Grace more abounds, so maybe I should keep sinning. There's a really extreme mentality that says, actually, if you sin, you actually end up magnifying God's grace even more. But Paul dealt with that one, didn't he? He said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, that doesn't, that's not what you're supposed to look like, is what he said in Romans 6. So there's kind of like two, I'll show you the other one in a minute. There's two mentalities. Again, I'm pulling from the landscape of Scripture what people know, and there's our truth. Like, I'm a child of God. I'm free. I'm at liberty in Christ. Um, I'm under grace, and that's all true. But the implication is not, therefore, leave me alone. Don't tell me anything to, to do. Don't give me a thou shalt or thou shalt not out of the Bible and blah, blah, blah. That's not the implication. That Okay, so then there's the am that there's a, sometimes we emphasize the am, the am, the am. And then there's the others that says, be, 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 do, do, do. Where does it say I should do what you're saying? It says it right there in the Bible. See that? 
do this, do this, do this, do this. Okay, I better do it. There shows it in the Bible. Don't do this, do, do this. Don't do this, do, 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 do this, etc. There's the am side where all you think of what you are, you're forgiven, you're a child of God, you're under grace, and you kind of isolate that thought. Then there's the other side is, well, God does say thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt. You know, don't, you know, don't be a fornicator, don't steal, don't all these, all these things that are in the Bible. Be holy. And he does say that. God says be holy in every single thing, all manner of conversation. God does say that. And sometimes there's certain groups of Christianity that emphasize one thing, the am, the identity. Look at your identity. So, woohoo! And then there's the other group that says, see, I'll show you chapter and verse where it says, be, do, be, do, be, do this. See, chapter, verse. And if that's all you emphasize, you'll end up becoming one weird thing or another. I hope you're, anybody following me here? All right. Raise your hand if you're following me. Don't lie. All right, at least, at least three quarters. Okay. All right. So, this is true. How many of you kind of felt these little, I know you're following me, but how many of you have caught wind of some of these mentalities one way or another, okay? Both types of mentalities one way or another. Okay, so there is kind of both types of mentalities. I literally met a guy, well, I, 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 won't, I won't go there. This is too long of a story. But there's the me- mentality of, of each one of these. But the fact is, as you read the Bible... And as you follow the logic even of Jesus right here, and especially of Paul in the epistles, he makes one connect to the other. He makes one go to the other. Because I am, that must lead to a be. Because this is my identity, identity has an implication of a way of life and, a, and of, a, of a type of Something is communicated then. It's kind of like the old family phrase of, hey, you're a, in our case, you're a Henry, act like such and such. That means you're going to eat a lot of Mexican food if you're a Henry, right? <laughs> For us. You know, the idea is like if this is who you are, then it has an implication that's unique. That's the logic Paul follows. Now, I'm going to give you a kin. We're going to look at specifics. If you read the book of Ephesians, the pattern in Ephesians is basically this is who you are, this is where you stand, this is where you sit, this is your present condition, this is who you are because of virtue of faith. And then he turns the corner in chapter, I think it may have been partway through chapter 4, and says, therefore, action. Here's the action, here's the lifestyle. The lifestyle springs from the condition. In other words... um, let's just put it real plainly, the way we live as a Christian, if the way you act and behave should be a reflection of the identity, not a reflection of the church, the the favorite type of uh, Christianity. It's a reflection of the God-given identity. The reason I want to act like anything is because of who I am. But because I am something... I want to say, okay, this is, what's, this is the springboard for me to be what I am to be. All right? So Paul does that. He does that in Romans. If you follow Romans, Romans is the great treatise on Christianity, the constitution of Christianity. And he develops all, all have sinned, chapter 1, 2, and 3, sin's implications in that, how we are justified in, um, by, by faith in chapters at least uh, five, 4 or 5. 
and then six, and then he talks about struggling with sin, six, seven, eight, or six and seven. Chapter eight talks about how we're locked into God's love. You're eternally secure. You're a child of God. Chapter nine, 10, and 11 is a parenthetical type section about the Jews and about the gospel related to the Jews. And then chapter 12 basically says, so then therefore I beseech you by the mercies of God, all these mercies that you have that are on you, now present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and here's how you should live. And he, he just starts giving practical pictures of what the Christian life should look like based on the identity. Based on the identity. You know, if you worked at certain fast food places, because you're such and such employee, this is how you act, right? Because you're a Chick-fil-A employee, this is what Chick-fil-A employees do my pleasure, you know, whatever it is. It's a great day at Chick-fil-A. So Jesus, there's, so here's the thing. When we went through this a couple years ago, uh, symbols of the Christian, you know, Christians are like light. We're called light. We're called sons and daughters. We're called sheep. We're called a branch. We're called saints, members. We're called stewards, all sorts of things. And I'm not going to go through all of them again. But look at the am and the be of these. Again, we, we am, we are light. Matthew 5, look at Matthew 5. <clears throat> but it has an implication. Matthew 5, 14, 15, 16. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither did men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Jesus said there's an identity, there's an am. When we became Christians, He made us light. He's in us, right? He is the light of the world because if I accept Him, He comes to live within me. So anything good or bright or brilliant about me is not my IQ. It's Jesus' presence and development of me. So therefore, I am, ye are, Jesus says, the light of the world, and that has implications. Don't hide what's radiating His the testimony of Christ, don't hide that. Let it shine through your good works. So that if I, if, I muzzle trying, if I muzzle Christian works, if I muzzle the testimony of Christ in my, in my countenance, in my life, in my actions, in my speech, in my lifestyle, if I muzzle that, I'm muzzling something that's, I, that, I, that I'm muzzling part of my identity that he wants, me, he wants to be seen. So because I am, this is what I am to be. There's that am be development, okay? That's, there's an example. Light. Light is the first. The second example we talked about is being sons and daughters. That's what you are. You did nothing except accept Christ to become a son or a daughter of God. First, look in John 1, uh, 12, where it's the condition is stated. The identity is, uh, is made clear. John 1, 12, the concept, the gospel of John the context there is the fact that Jesus came to his own, that is, the Jewish nation, his own received him not, but whoever, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them what believe on his, that believe on his name. So the identity is stated of what happened to you. When you accepted Christ, when you said yes to Jesus Christ, you became the Son of God. Didn't have to go through an adoption agency or anything like that. It's like it just, there it is. You're the Son of God. You just accept Him. And wow, look at the privilege I had of being born again into the family of God. I'm, 
I'm his. Well, that, that has an implication. The am has a be. So let's go to Galatians 3, 26. And then we'll go to... Missed one of my other references here. Go to Galatians 3. And what states our condition again, Galatians 3, 26, where it says, Ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye are Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So again, it reiterates the identity. How You are all the children of God by faith. That's not an ecumenical statement. It's a, a clear statement that you're all the children of God by faith. So by faith I became a child of God. And the, one of the implica implications here is therefore you're, everybody should have a sense of unity of other Christians. You're all the children of God. There's no dichotomy of, well, you know, he's a child of God, but he's one of these, what is this? Uh, you're a Greek, you're a Jew, child of God. You're no, we're all the children of God. And so the idea is be uh, unprejudiced, be uh, undiscriminatory uh, for other types of people that are also the children of God. There's another implication of being um, a child of God. It actually goes back to the concept of light. Look at Ephesians 5.8. Again, we talked about first the, the, state, the identity of being light has an implication of let it shine in your works. The identity of being a son or daughter of God, the am in that leads to a be in Ephesians 5.8. It leads to a be. Ephesians 5.8. For you were sometimes in darkness, Ephesians 5.8, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. So it's combining both those thoughts here. But since I am one of God's children and I'm one of His light, I'm, I'm light also, I need to walk like I'm a child of light. I'm, I need to walk, I need to behave like I'm one of His. Think about just... Again, it goes back to this thought of, why should I behave like anything? Why should I try to do anything that's good, anything that's moral? Who cares? Who cares about moral stuff? Who cares about do's and don'ts? Who cares about it? Well, you should, because it's right. Yeah, but the, even the greater thing is, I should do whatever's right because it reflects the God that I'm a child of. How's that? I should want to do right. I want to walk in the light because it reflects the condition that I am, which reflects the one who is over me, but reflects God himself. I'm his, he's, my, he's my savior, but he's my father. I want to walk as a child of light. So the, so the idea is like, okay, somebody says, I'm a child of God, you know, and I'm his. Okay, that has implication. Keep reading in Ephesians 5. That has an implication then. If you're a child of God, walk like you're a child of light, not a child of darkness. For the fruit of the Spirit, look at verse 9, is in all goodness and righteousness, proving, and there's still a sentence going on here, proving what's acceptable to the Lord. Walk as children of light, proving what's acceptable to the Lord. So if I belong to the Lord, I belong to God, because I'm His child, then I should have some kind of sense of, well, 
that's good, that's not good. That's, that's acceptable, that's not acceptable. Verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Just again, the concept is, um, this is who I am, and I want to be in light of who I am. Be that in light of who I am. So here's another thought here. We'll maybe do one or two more. Is sheep. Go back to John 10. John chapter 10. Again, we're looking at the am determines the be. The am determines the be. It's not so much the be, the actions determine who you are. It's in the case of being saved, what you are determines what you should be. All right, John 10. John 10, long, long chapter about, I don't know if it's that long, but most of the chapter takes up the concept of Jesus being the shepherd and his believers are sheep. Jesus said, let's go uh, several, let's see, how, let's just go back to um, so much of this. Let's look at verse 11. John 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So we're getting identity. If you read the chapter, again, the implication is if you believe on him, you're one of his sheep. Look at verse um, Look at verse 13 and 14. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. You know, Jesus is the one who is a true shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. There are other religious leaders that would be kind of like hirelings. We follow the Lord Jesus Christ because he gave himself for us. He demonstrated an enormous sacrifice for us. Other religious leaders that people get infatuated with and follow essentially are kind of like a hireling. But let's look at, look at verse um, 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. So many things here. Let's look at, uh, oh, okay, look at verse 27. Look at verse 27. Again, the identity is what? In Christ, I'm one of his sheep. And he says in verse 27, my sheep, you know what they do? Hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. You know, if I'm one of Jesus' sheep, then when I hear his voice, I'd be like, hey, I recognize that. I'm going to follow that one. That's right. My sheep, hear my voice. So somebody says, I'm the, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I am one of his. And so, yeah, but that has an implication that you should, if his, he says, my sheep, hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. So if I'm one of his sheep, I need to be listening to his voice and not be a little naughty sheep that he has to chase down, you know. So the idea, again, isn't that a great identity? That's wonderful, huh? I'm one of his sheep, and sheep are dumb. I can relate with that. I'm dumb, pretty simple. Psalm 23, again, I quoted part of it. The Lord is my shepherd. The implications are, ah, I won't lack. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters, and I'm provided for is the idea there. So again, the identity has an implication. The am leads to a be. Let's look at one more, and then we'll wrap it up. John 15. We're a branch. That's the identity here. John 15, verses 1 to 5. John 15, verses 1 to 5, he says, Jesus says, um, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me 
that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except in the, it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Again, the concept, you don't never want to run too far in too many comparisons on a, on a parable or a, like an illustration like this. The basic concept is Jesus is the vine and we're the branches attached to him. And the idea is if I'm not depending on him, it's like I'm detached from him. So it doesn't say I'm not saved. But if I'm not de- dependent on him and in touch with him, then I'm detached and my Christian life withers, right? Isn't that how it is? <laughs> the more detached I am from Jesus, I wither. But as I'm attached to him and I abide in him, stay attached, I can bring forth fruit. And he comes through in my life frequently and cleans up my dead branches, but i got to stay attached to him so I can bring forth fruit. Something good can grow out of my life. That's the gist there of that. But again, I'm a branch. That's the identity. He made me a branch. And so I need the, the implication, the B is be attached, be, be dependent, be, de, be um, uh, connected constantly to him. So again, if we, so that you always need to keep these cause and effect thing in, in line. This, this keeps our Christianity, I think, in balance in the right perspective. If we only emphasize the do's, you're going to forget, wait a minute, who am I? Oh, I'm a child of God. It's not so much about the list, it's about being a child of God, which means I should look like a child of God. And, and, and the th- same thing about these other concepts is that, you know, um, because I'm light, I need to let that be seen. And so this is, a, this, is, this is something, again, I'm giving you something that if you were to follow kind of like, again, what, how Paul patterned some of his epistles, that's how, that's how it is. So I hope this helps tonight, and maybe we'll explore a couple more of them next week if, 